internet, ladies are truly the dolls of maids. My name is Matthew Kroll. And she's got good bone structure for a Korean. I'm sure that's not racist. Uh, My name is Shahir Town. Totally not racist on the only Not only racist. Was it racist? Wait, about wait, we movies, had- <laughs> specifically the... The film, uh, The Handmaiden. And we've got, we're joined by a guest, Esther Park. Welcome back. Thank you. We just had you on our Triple X, The Return of An- Xander Uprising page. And I say it's not racist because you have a Korean in the house. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, well, and, and, and you have a lovely bone structure. Thank you. Yeah. So fun fact. I, uh, yeah, I used to teach Korean film as well. So I, that's so great. I used to watch Korean film. (laughs) So we're all, we're, we're not, we're all Korean. Yeah. We're all all pretty much Korean at this point. (laughs) Can you tell me what Samida means? Huh? Samida? Kamsamnida. Kamsamnida. What what does that mean exactly? Okay. Uh, so Kamsamnida is thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's a formal way to say it, but. You only took the second half of the word. Because I always hear just the second oh, half of yeah. it. Oh, so yeah. Like, like when, Koreans, when Koreans say it really fast, it just sounds like, yeah, yeah. but it's, ah, okay. What, right. what, wait, what is it? It's thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, great. Yeah. There All you right. go. Welcome to the only podcast about learning Korean. You have learned something today. We've done our job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pat on the back for you guys. Yay! Cultural night. <laughs> we did it. I'm so excited to do this film. And you just can't hide it. Yeah! Uh, I, I, no, because I, I, I love Park Chan-wook. Uh, you know, just let it be told. Wait, wait. You guys can point to me when you need crane names. Oh, well, have I, have I, I, how, how do I say his name? <laughs> have I said it wrong? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just making fun of non-Korean saying Korean names because they okay. butcher it every time. Par- oh. chan- uh, hmm. and, it, and, and, and just to get the, the arrangement right, you say the last name first, right? So Park Chan. Well, no. So um, in Korean, when you write it out, mm-hmm. it's always a last name first. And mm-hmm. I think that's why people say Park Chan, yeah. but it's Chan Wook Park. Yeah. You okay. can oh. just say it like that. Like oh. the way, same way as like mine is written with Park. the last name first in Korean, but everyone just says Esther Park. Gotcha. Okay. All oh. right. All right. Uh, so listen, this movie. Mm. First impressions. Not even yet, but it's pretty fucking good. Okay. It's, I really liked it. Yeah. And man, and you, I love uh, the director. I love, I love old boy. I love, uh, what was it? Vengeance? Uh, no sympathy, vengeance. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I always say no sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but that's not the title. No. And uh, the trilogy vengeance. that wasn't meant to be a trilogy. Right. Yeah. What do you uh, think of the trilogy? Okay, so let's uh, sidestep. Have you seen the full trilogy? Uh, I've Lady seen... Ven- no, Lady I haven't Ven- seen Lady. No. Have you? No, is there? just Old Boy. I've seen Old just, Boy and Sympathy. You guys got to see JSA, uh, Joint Security Area, which was almost remade into uh, an American film. So Joint Security Area is about the the DMZ between North Korea and South Korea. Mm. Yep. And it was always remade into an American film about the border between Mexico and America, which is no way related to the DMZ. Not at all. And it was going to be directed <laughs> at one point by Steven Spielberg starring one Will Smith, oh, uh, which is like God. a terrifying- Welcome to Earth. Uh. Remember, Old Boy was remade um, oh, terribly, Josh, terribly by Spike Lee, which is a filmmaker I really like. Yeah, um, and Could with Josh Brolin. Um, and uh, you, so, here's the thing with Chan uh, Wook Park. Um, he is uh, the 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 relationship between story and camera with him is so integral. It's so tightly connected. Sure. Every camera move in his films are are an extension of what he's trying to say with the story. And he's also one of the few filmmakers. Well, there are two in South Korea that have done really well translating into American cinema. And that is uh, Bong Joon-ho, who did uh, Snowpiercer a, yep. a couple of years ago, which I loved. I think Snowpiercer is great. great. That America also stole and remade. What? Snowpiercer? Yeah. It's an American film. Is it? Yeah. I thought that they, they did a remake of 
one that was made in Korea. No, no, it's Korean directed. Bong Is Jun, it? Yeah, Bong Joon-ho okay. directed it I take it that here. back. Well, yeah. shit. But they do, American they Takeover. Do. 100%. Everything. Well, that's an interesting thing about this film in particular, which yeah. is that it's an adaptation of a book, of, of a book called Fingersmiths, yeah. which is a, which is set in the English countryside. That's a, that's a yeah, bad Yeah, that's name. weird. I don't know how he got his hands on that. What? Ha ha, zing, Fingersmiths. <laughs> Wait, how he uh, got his hands on it? On the book. Because, I don't know, it just With seems fingers. Like such a... He did it with <laughs> fingers. It, it, it's being adapted before. There's but also, too many underlying things going on. What right are you now. talking about? Well, here's the don't, thing. Don't make it a thing. Think about it. Don't think about it. Sean Wook Park is arguably, like, in the spectrum of great filmmaking. Yeah, no, we're going to get to Fingersmiths as, as, a, as a double entendre in a minute. Uh, but Sean Wook Park is one of the premier filmmakers working today in the world. Mm. Um, and uh, did you guys see Stoker? No. I fucking, Stoker is so fucking yeah? good. It right. is amazing. Written by Wentworth Miller of all people. Oh, shit. Uh, it is amazing. It, wow. It, 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 it's phenomenally written and it's just beautifully directed. And it's the best thing Nicole Kidman's been in, uh, in forever. Okay. Um, Sean Wook Park is incredible. I um I had a brief period with uh, Aaron Mannion Park who has been on the show. Uh, Aaron Mannion Park was teaching Korean cinema. Yep. I um, TA'd on that course and I and I did a couple of lectures on it as well. Um, so I got exposed to when you were in film school. Uh, when I was teaching in film school, of course. Um, and so I got exposed to a lot of Korean film and a lot of Korean cinema. And some of my uh, like one of my favorite filmmakers, other than Asghar Fahadi, who we talked about two weeks ago, uh, I think one of the best writer directors in the world is a Korean filmmaker by the name of Lee Chang Dong. If you guys can seek out any of his movies, particularly a movie called Oasis, um, it is, uh, like I said, it's, I, I think it's one of the greatest um, melodramas that's been made uh, in the last decade. Um, but some, there's something about Korean cinema mm. um, that is kind of incredible. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I say this from a place of like the, the, the size of the Korean film industry is not uncomparable to the New Zealand film industry, but whatever it is they're doing, they're doing very well. Um, and they have a, a um, you know, through that course, there was a, we, we learned a lot about the way the Korean film industry is set up, which is entirely different to a lot of other countries. Um, and it has a lot, it, you know, it has a lot to do with why the Korean films, film industry sure. is so good. But, you know, all that aside, Chanwok Park is making a movie. It, you, it demands to be seen. Of course. You have to see whatever he's going to work on. Now, Esther, are, do you, do you, uh, I was going to say ingest, but you're not eating anything. Uh, do you like, do you watch a lot of Korean cinema or do you, have you steered clear? Were you brought up with it? Like what? Um, so his films are the only ones I've actually taken the time to watch. Okay. Um, because I actually think that Korean cinema sucks. Really? Whoa! Really? Yeah. Well, but, but does that, because like, in maybe in the same way that I, I'm not a big fan of Bollywood. Is it is it because you grew up watching and um, and you know like your family might watch a lot of melodrama like my family watches a lot of melodrama and I'm just not into it. I think that when I was growing up, um, the majority of Koreans tend to like the mainstream shit movies. Right. So I wasn't exposed like the way I was in the states. Mm -hmm. I wasn't exposed to like the craft. Yeah. Like worthy like talking about like the really great films in Korea cinema. So when I heard of Old Boy and I watched, it, I was like, wow. That's They're some doing shit. some really yeah. great stuff over there. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, it's very limited. Yeah. But um, but this film deals with a lot of themes. I think that I want to speak to eventually. But yeah. And I, I, I think if you liked this film, you will love Stoker. Yeah. Um, first impression though, 
I actually don't like this film. Oh. Oh, wow. All right. Well, we got to get to that. I yeah. Wanna, yeah. I so want, we'll get to it. I, so just real quick, my history with Korean cinema uh, goes back to college. Not the same with Shahir sort of teaching it. But I had a friend in college. I He's still a very good friend. Matthew Marchetti, who actually does a... Uh, a, a series on a, on Instagram, weirdly enough, called Movie Matinee, where he'll actually take a picture. I love a lot of B movie schlock, but sometimes he'll do like actual great films too, and he'll actually write a pretty good review on the picture of like the box art that he does, and he just does it for fun. Mm-hmm. And he's an excellent writer, so please check that out. Movie. So Matinee. that's your history with Korean cinema in college in your dorm room. But yeah, yeah, but 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 <laughs> hold on. Let's let me finish what my else fucking in story, your, Esther. What, what ha- you what sure it wasn't ha- on Pornhub.com? <laughs> oh my god! I'm what? just kidding. That took a turn. But yeah. I, was, I mean, I was, I was just going to insinuate. What else were you doing in your college room? No, mm-hmm. I was going to say Korean cinema in your dorm room by yourself. Uh, I get it now. Sorry, she's making a joke about you masturbating, long- yes. dude. Oh, it's a masturbation ha, joke. Ha, ha, ha. No one masturbates, but that's not what I'm fucking talking about. I'm what I'm talking right about. You can edit that part out. <laughs> what I'm talking about? No, yo, you're no! keeping that, keeping that in. <laughs> I hope everyone's parents are happy. <laughs> um, no. So Matt Marchetti had a region-free DVD player. Right. And he was the inspiration for me to eventually buy a region-free DVD player because he would show us mainly Korean, but other foreign films too. But he has a collection of amazing Korean cinema to the point where I'd start watching these films that don't have subtitles and <laughs> loving them. Really? There's one that I actually brought up now. It was a 2002 oh, film Resurrection, called yeah. Resurrection of the Little Match Girl. Oh. I still don't officially know what the plot is. I have watched that movie 25 times. It does not have, it does not, I can't find it with English subtitles at least back then I couldn't I haven't right. looked for it recently but that I that movie and many many others that I just I went out I went online I bought a Jaton <laughs> uh, region free DVD player and I just fucking I ate it up and it was it it was a big part of my life probably till like 2007 2008 like that was a lot of the film that I ingested and uh, so you guys are more well versed in Korean cinema than I am yeah it might be the case I think so yeah it, it appeared- but this film. Yes. What's it about, Matt? Hit me. Oh, I have it. I have it right here. I, I You should have it by now. We're doing a podcast. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Ready? I'm hitting you. A woman is hired as a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress, but secretly she's involved in a plot to defraud her. It's actually a really good synopsis. That's, That's actually, actually not bad. That's probably the best IMDb God, synopsis. Yeah. I'm having complete opposite. I'm like, God, that sounds boring. Really? Yeah. No, I, in terms of like... Oh, we, no, no, because normally do, the IMDb synopsis doesn't even say what the movie's about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is, they did a great job here in one sentence trying to... I mean, they don't, they don't give the reason why the movie's great. They do say what, how it starts. But I'm burning to know here. Burning, literally burning. Ister. That's from what he did in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's get that straight. A lot of burns. Uh, Esther, why, why, tell us what you thought about the movie. You've, yeah. you've already dropped a controversial bomb. I know, I did. Bomb. I dropped the bomb. Dropped um, the bomb. Hit I, us with the bomb. Okay, so I didn't... I appreciate after having watched Old Boy, mm-hmm. I appreciate um, the way it was shot. It's like visually just really beautiful, and yeah. I and what you the point you made about him and how each camera angle is like so specific to like it's an extension of who he is, you know. But I didn't like the film because for a few reasons. One because the chemistry between the two women mm-hmm. was not believable mm-hmm. for me. Interesting. It. It was so like I, in my head, I compared it to it's very similar in the sense of a blue is the warmest color. color. Yep. Um, but without the chemistry for you. Right. Or did you or did you like? So, yeah. So like the chemistry in blue is warmest color was there mm-hmm. um, in this movie. I didn't think it was. But 
the sex scenes in both films, I don't think was necessary mm-hmm. to portray that there's love between the two women. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it was excessively a little too long, like right. in both films. So like for me, that was a problem because um, I think you made this point last week in the triple X, which is, you know, like mid East, like Asian films, when it comes to sexuality, they have not been the ones to like highlight it mm-hmm. or like graphically, like, sh- you know, there's like limitations of how far you can go with it. There are, there are historical antecedents to what you just said, but, but, but I agree on the whole in popular culture. Yeah. There, there's certainly a, a more chaste approach to sex and sexuality right. in India, in Korea, in Japan. Right. On, on the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the whole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are my issues with it. I, um, and I didn't, yeah, I mean, that was my biggest turn off. Just, just, I think there's I, no chemistry. I just think I have a bias about uh, like sexuality and like women and the way that it was portrayed in this film. That right. was like the biggest turn off for me. Okay. So the okay. storytelling, like the plot, like I appreciate it all shot very beautifully. But just like when it comes to that theme, because it was supposed to be the biggest theme and the most the the thing that you're supposed to spend the most amount of time kind of working out for me it just I was like I don't interesting feel it interesting at all. okay do you want to go first do you want to, I don't I don't I mean I shall I we shall we paper scissors rock no, no it's rock paper scissors first of all let's I not, think the scissors is going to be the most important the, one but oh, God damn it <laughs> you just fucking badminton that Jesus <laughs> um I actually partially you know what I'm cracking a beer. I Talk. partially agree with you Esther which is that I I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about like. Matt, we've had this conversation on the podcast before. There's a couple of issues, so I'll, I'll try and dissect them as, as much as I can first. On the whole, I it is not Stop my favorite. Stop saying on the whole. No, keeps, <laughs> uh, counter-argument, uh, keep saying like, on the whole. Okay. Okay. On the whole, in the scissor world. Hey, um, no, that's, no, that's not, just, just do one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I, the, I think this is a beautifully told movie. It is a beautifully, wonderfully... Um, cinematic experience, uh, nothing less than I would expect from Chan Wook Park. Not, not, you know, it is it is the kind of rich tapestry of filmmaking that he is known for. It is it is a very provocative story. Yes, and it is very well executed. I have to admit, personally, on a pure storytelling level, I found when the surprises were being unraveled in front of me, mm-hmm. it's not that I didn't think that they were genuine surprises. I didn't find them surprising. Yeah. I kind of, this is saw where it coming. I, I, I don't know if sort coming is the right turn of phrase, but it was like, Oh, okay. That's it, nothing like made my jaw drop or nothing. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, yep. It, it keeps going. Then the second part of this is I, we've talked about this uh, on the podcast a lot. I am a big fan of filmmakers exploring sex and sexuality in film. Um, one of my one of my touchstone films for this is a film that I showed to my film 101 class called uh, In the Realm of the Senses by Nagashi Oshima. Uh, and it was a film that I had forgotten starts with a fully graphic blowjob scene. Uh, and I showed it to wow. a group of uh, 18 to 19 year olds. What year was this film? Uh, this is 19, I want to say 1970s, early 1970s. Wow. And it's it's an incredible film. It's basically a series of just... Blowjob scenes. No, full sex scenes. Uh-huh. And I mean, and but but it is trying to explore Also, it wasn't point. actually wrong. No, you're not wrong. But, I, but it's but here, exploring what? 
It's well because it's set during wartime Japan, and it's about a couple that retreats into basically their own sex life, mm-hmm. and it's based on a famous Japanese myth of I think her name is Sadaka, uh, who turned up in a village with. Oh, this is a spoiler for the film from nineteen seventy something. She turned, spoiler alert for this movie. <laughs> she turns up in a town, uh, kind of raving mad with her lover's penis. Um, her love of penis? No, her lover's penis. As, she as, took as, it. She took it. <laughs> um, Sorry. Oh, that sounds scary. <laughs> it's it's a real. Oh my god. No one else is laughing. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's no, you guys. Sh- you guys are scared. I'm laughing my ass. No, no. Watch it's the funny. watch the film. It's a beautiful. Okay. And and I remember the thing was is that I showed it to a group of 19 year olds, and the question that we put on our questionnaire for them to answer was, "Did you think what you just watched was pornography or 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 art?" Mm. And and a great majority of them said they thought it was pornography. Yeah. Um, which I thought was brilliant. And in fact, a few of them wrote that they didn't think that they should have been allowed to see it, mm. given that they were older than the age it was restricted for. Hmm. At any rate, um, I am a big proponent of this because I think we the balance of what we do in cinema tends to favor violence as explicit and gratuitous and tends to treat sex and sexuality as taboo. And I think, to me, I think that is deeply troubling and problematic. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I appreciate when a film like Chanwok, a filmmaker like Chanwok Park decides to treat sex and sexuality as a key as cornerstone, yes. cornerstone of the storytelling in this film. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you, Esther, a little bit that the, the depiction of sex and sexuality in this film tends to lean towards something that is slightly what you would perceive as fantasy yes, um, more than reality. But, but I felt the commitment and and I agree a little bit about the chemistry as well. Although I felt like the storytelling was, was making up for that. And it, and it was, you know, like they were giving me reasons for me. It did too. Yeah. Giving me reasons for why I believe these two characters you in know, fact, did love each other. In yes. fact, did love each other. Although I didn't necessarily feel it on screen. I actually, um, but I do think blue is the warmest color. I, I actually thought what I loved about that film is every sex scene in that film felt, felt like, necessary, felt necessary. And it felt um, important to the story. It felt important to the characters. Yeah. Um, so there's two sides to this. One is that I, you know, as a story, I was kind of 50, 50 on it, mm-hmm. but I love, see, I, I just love, Chanwok Park's sense of humor and his and his sense of perversity. Like I think he is a, a filmmaker who is who is interested in the way in which human beings think. Yeah, and and he is interested in like looking at the perversity of the way human beings think. And I think that's really interesting. Um, I generally think the story, the 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 turns it took took uh, were not that surprising to me. But again. Beautifully told, well executed. I would wholeheartedly recommend this film to anyone. Uh, maybe don't watch it with your parents if that's a thing. Oh no, totally watch it with your parents. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm 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 partially on board with you, but uh, but I think I'm more in favor of this film. Okay, so Mr. Kroll. Oh wow, no one's ever called me Mr. Kroll yeah. before. Yeah. Um, Mr. Kroll's my father. Yeah. So. I kind of disagree with all of you, but we, I, but, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I'll say that straight up. Okay. Um, and maybe it's not a disagreement. I don't know. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't, don't think you're wrong. For two, liking it. two sort of things. One from the surprise factor. So let, let me break down. I watched this movie. 
Uh, me and my cat watched it, and we were just hanging out. How did Zoe like it? Uh, you know, she was here for a little bit of it, and then she went away, and then she came back. Did she come back for the sex scenes? Uh, no, surprisingly <laughs> not. Uh, she came back. Uh, I thought that would have been her thing. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you just you can't you can't read that. But the <laughs> the point of this is, I watched it, and I, when I turned it on, I rented it off of Amazon. I was like, oh, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I was like, in my brain, I was like, all right, like right, I'll do it. It blinked by for me. And mm. that is, is a compliment. And I will say, cause it's broken up into three parts, yep. right? At the end of the first part, and we'll go through this. I was so fucking on board. Cause I thought it was very like, Oh, sort of straightforward and like whatever. And it was done very well. And the cinematography was beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh fuck. And I didn't know like the twist happened, but there's two sort of ways the twist could go. And I didn't quite know which one it was. And event, you know, I was in. So it fucking got me hook, line, and sinker. Now, granted, that's 45 minutes in the movie, mm-hmm. and it was fine up until then. But what I will say uh, to the and, and and the sex scenes are gratuitous. There's no question about it. There's gratuitous? no ifs, ands, or buts. In length, uh, eventually, especially the second time that you witness the the main sex scene between the two women, hmm. uh, it goes on for a long time. Yeah, continue. I disagree, but continue. But but what I will say, and this is where I sort of agree with you, Shahir. Uh, and I I, th- I think their chemistry, sorry, uh, before I get to that, Esther, I think their chemistry was fine. But then again, I, this is literally me trying to read chemistry, like mm-hmm. literally read the words right. of chemistry. So, like, I don't know that you whenever you're reading subtitles of a film, it to me, you put a little more of yourself into it because it's it's that you're weird, making more like, of an effort. Yeah. You're in your you're putting emotional text in your brain right. and that you can sort of that. So maybe that's why it worked for me. Side note. I didn't see this in a film before that I loved right in the beginning. It's like Japanese is in yellow mm-hmm. and uh, Korean is in white. Um, I, I watched it with subtitles too. Cause I'm not completely right. 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 Yeah. So, okay. Well, so yeah. okay. Then maybe my thing, well, you would have seen that in, um, in glorious bastards as well. They had the color coded. I don't know if they had a color coded, but they had people speaking different languages. Right, but I liked time. that it was color coded because Jap- the, because the, for Japanese. The thing the thing about it was it was important to the story and what they were talking about about like who was Japanese, who was Korean, who was Korean speaking Japanese, who was Korean or who was Japanese speaking Korean. Like mm-hmm. it was all very important to the character, so I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Back to the sex scenes because <laughs> let's go. Uh, I really appreciated not only there's the sort of lizard brain of like, oh, yeah, here's two attractive women having a long sex scene like that's cool. But beyond that, <laughs> be honest, you guys get a boner. I did not. Uh, I would be I, on. I would tell I you if think I did. so. Yeah. A little. Yeah. OK. Why is that wrong? No, I was yeah. just curious. But the point. But this is this is why. I, so there's there's something like what you said, like, is something porn or is it? That's art. why yeah. I was asking. Yeah. yeah. Is it porn or is it art? Yeah. Or, but I think there's art. Porn is kind of art in a weird way, but that's not what I'm talking about. Let's talk about film, film, film. Let's not get down that stupid rabbit hole. Um, So, you know, here's a scene that is obviously arousing, but what I really appreciated about this movie from a director whose films are pretty fucking violent. Graphic, yeah. Graphic violence in a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. The graphicness in this film was reserved for sex as opposed to violence. In fact, all of the violent, violent stuff that they basically sort of alluded to once or twice with the exception of one like almost sort of inconsensual sex scene, but then was very clearly like going to not sort of happen in the film. We can get to that too, but like it did not have gratuitous violence in this film. 
it had gratuitous sex. And going back to what you had said before, how at least Western culture, uh, or, or it's a lot of cinematic culture in general, like violence is always okay, but sex is bad. Yeah. So while it did have a long sex scene in it, or a, a lot of sort of sex in it that, yeah, could you have toned it down and would the movie have been any worse for it? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that's what I mean by like toning it down. I don't, I think it was just the way that it was shot. I oh, I just thought cause it was long. It was long. It's the yeah. second time you go through cause you, you witness the same events in this film multiple times. Yeah. But, but I, but just to finish my thought and we'll get to mm-hmm. it as we go chronologically, I really appreciated that sex was, was, was almost to, I'd rather at this point sex be exploited in a consensual, nice way than violence being exploited all over the fucking place. Mm. And that to me was like, this feels ref- weirdly refreshing. refreshing. Yeah. You should so, watch Blue is the Woman's Color. I, I, I do need to see that. That has been on my list for a long time. Yeah. Um. But so I really liked it. And the twists for me, it did not. I, I was surprised. I didn't, but I, I, I never watched a trailer for this. I mm. never, I knew nothing going on. Mm. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's why I don't know. Did did you watch? I know you don't watch the trailers often. No, I didn't see the trailer for this. Okay, but I just I don't maybe, and I don't know how this trailer was. A lot of times lately, it feels like trailers just give away half the fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So you had an interesting comment about the trailer. Like you, you were. Not- I was expecting this film. Like right. I, I was. I watched the trailer. I read reviews. Like I, I. You tracked got yourself it. in the hit. I space. tracked it. Yeah. Um, and I think. Yeah, maybe but that's part of the reason why I was a little disappointed with this film mm-hmm. because but I think the majority of it is just that like when you're a male director mm-hmm. and your your job you're using the same approach to violence to sexuality, yes, I think it is necessary that you do that and you treat it both equally because that's just, you know, required, but I think that it also means you need to be a little bit more careful about like how long and how yeah like for me you know what I mean I just no it makes it makes total sense because even and I'll tell you straight up the first time the sex scene happens from the one person's perspective yeah I was like this this is great mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> applauding yeah there's literally slow clapping yeah. in my this is bravo yeah right the second time it happens. It's up for almost double the time. And that even to me, while I was like, this is great. I've you seen start this getting before. uncomfortable a little bit. I was just sort of like, I was like, well, why, why are we here again? Like, cause every other moment where they expand on it from another character's perspective gave a little piece of information mm. that helped the weird plot move along. Right. This, so. this, this, the, the sex scene being elongated did not. Well, here's the thing is I, I actually, the second six in what I, cause the question mark that the first one left me and especially the turning point that happens at part one, part two was, was uh, lady Hidoko into it? Was she, was she playing a part? Was she actually in love with her? And, and I think to me, this, what the, the length of the second six scene was all about answering that question. That, that question was never asked. It's hard to talk about. We'll get to it. But I think that question wasn't aptly asked until that point. So, like, I don't think that was even a necessary. Well, no, but the whole question, the question is, is because she. It's hard she, to talk about it without spoil. We'll get there. But, okay, so the end of act, uh, the end of part one ends with a, with a, with a betrayal. A, a, a very, a very deep betrayal of one of our characters. And, and the second time the we're seeing that first sex scene for the second time. Mm-hmm. And the question that I have after that betrayal was, was she playing a role in that, in that initial sex scene? Mm-hmm. And what the length of that second sex scene did 
was answer that question for me, which is that I spent the first half of it going, I, I think she's still playing a role, and I'm not sure uh-huh. how far she's going with this. And by the end, and of, by the end of it, I was like, oh, she's actually in love with this person. I could see that, but and at the same time, there's a million other ways they could have done that. They don't have to show the yes. same sex scene for 10 minutes or yes. whatever the hell it was. So like, I, I don't know. I, I also kind of liked... Like again, there is a as I said in the beginning, there's a there's a tendency for this to feel slightly like the fantasy of a of a heterosexual male, but because it's too, I think the whole thing is, isn't it? Well, I think of the of those the six, way it's shot, especially yes. the second time, yeah, feels a hundred percent like it is. Yeah, and it, again, I'm I'm admitting that, but I'm I, accepting that and saying I enjoyed it. But I also I also think that Chan Wook Park, like he does with his other films, where storytelling. And camera line, and there's one particular shot uh, that is which one possibly the greatest '69 shot in <laughs> in the history of cinema, and probably in the history of pornography. It as seemed well. pretty standard to me. Uh, the the rotating '69 shot uh, over the head that seemed pretty standard to oh, you. Rotating, yeah, where they were basically an overhead shot, and when they went into a '69 position, the camera oh, rotated yeah. along. Oh, rotated. See, that's mm. exactly what happens in Blue Is the Warmest Color. That didn't happen in Blue Is the Warmest Yet, Color. You see them uh, above. Scissoring. I mean, like sixty nineing, basically. But do we, do we rotate around them like that? Mm. I, don't, I, don't I, don't, su- don't. I don't think the subtle forty five degree of a rotation really <laughs> matters. No, but see, again, to me, that was kind of that intricacy of camera and story that he's so good at, okay. and even things like where we, um, again, and it it sounds like I'm being. Uh, exploitative about it, but I genuinely no. It sounds like you're trying not to be, but I think it purely is, especially I, in that second. No, moment. my my point is is that I I want filmmakers to spend as much time on sex like this as 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 we do on violence and on and on like. No, and I, I agree and I with totally, that. Yes, yeah, I like, I'm on board with you in that. I totally agree with you. Even but if it even if it doesn't work, and even that's my I, problem. I want filmmakers yes. to spend right. this much time so, on a sex scene. I mean. It, it's I, important, yes. Yeah. It's important to the cause, right? Yeah. Because the, like I said, the amount of time he spends with the violent scenes, it's yeah. like he should devote that to the sexual sex scenes too. Yeah. But the way it was executed was what I had a problem with. Right. Uh, in what? In what? In which way? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, think about it. Just, well, let's, let's get yeah. back to it. Let's no, get back yeah, to it no. after we go through the film because she can give some time to think no, about it. We should go through the actual movie and not just talk well, about no, the fucking I, sex I wanted, scene. To, I wanted to get into like you have a feeling about this film and let's let's see right, what that feeling is. We can yeah, but we can. Are we going to specifics now? Yeah, yeah let's, we let's should. Go to spoilers. We should yeah. go to spoilers and then we'll we'll come back. Okay. So, guys, when I came into this and started writing down what happened, uh, spoiler alert, everybody, yeah. I because like the main character, um, what was her her official name? Point to oh. me. Point to me. Suki. Her name was Suki at the well, end. Of it. Well, the thing is, Not she has three. Suki. I know, she has but three Suki. names. Suki, but Suki. you've seen True Blood. Yes. Well, she has Suki. Suki. She, Bill. Yeah. Um, but she has three different. names. I know that's what confused because I wrote down. I'm like, so and so is this. Wait, now her real name is this. No, yeah. now her real name is this. <laughs> but this is interesting because uh, there's been a recent resurgence. Like, so I don't know how much you guys know about Korean history, and this was this was a revelation to me when I'd learned about. No, this, but teach the, me about Korean history because <laughs> I re- I'm not joking. I really don't. Well, no. okay, oh, so, I thought you were calling them out. That yeah, like hilarious. yes, teach no, me about Korean teach history. Teach me about Korean <laughs> history. You tell me about okay. what happened. <laughs> okay, so in early Korean, so we're talking 1910. There was He's actually going to do it. There was a treaty that was drawn up between Japan and Korea yes. to for, for Korea to act as a protectorate of uh, a 
for Japan to act as a protectorate of uh, Korea. But unfortunately, this meant that they, this this became a Japanese occupation mm-hmm. of Korea mm-hmm. and a very forceful occupation, one that nearly that saw the death of many people and the near obliteration of an entire Korean culture. Yes. The reason we were interested in this in from a film, um, from a Korean film history point of view, is that uh, in this period, as a Korean filmmaker, you couldn't make films in the Korean language. You had to create characters that were Japanese and spoke Japanese. There was a, 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 dis, um, a concerted uh, effort to decimate the Korean culture as we know it. Mm. And this is why the pendulum slang swaying the other way and, and why I think Korean cinema is so um, powerful today and so and, and so, so just fucking out there like no no, no. and so popular is that's that, what I'm saying is that is that in the late 80s there was a, a quota put in in Korean in the Korean um, uh, uh, cinema system where if you owned a Korean theater you had to show Korean films for 146 so it's days like a mandate the, you had to show it and it's one of the it's actually a real stick, sticking point between America and Korea in terms of trade deals is that they want to ensure that you know like they can get in uh, non-Korean films so this uh, and what I love is that is that this period of Korean history hasn't really hasn't necessarily been dealt Explored. with and it, you know, like if you if you want to find out about true horrors of this period, look up comfort women, which were women yeah, who were we, sent, yeah. yeah, women who were well, sent to, yeah to the front lines of the you know with Japanese soldiers and basically told to be sexual slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's uh, there's actually been uh, what do I got here? Seven films in the last uh, two years that deal with this period of Korean history by major films and major filmmakers in Korea. So I think it's a it's a really fascinating area and one that particularly couldn't be told in that time. What I love about this film is that it is the appropriation of an English uh, of an English story uh, reappropriated into that period. And the thing about the names is so important because yeah, that was fundamental yeah. to what life was like. Like, and I don't think this film really gets into like the obliteration of the culture in yeah. that period. But but I think there are like little subtle hints to it, and I there. Again, it's just an area that I have read a lot about, but yeah. I haven't seen on screen. And you can't see on screen because it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, which I which I think is great. Yeah. So three different names. Yeah. What are they? Uh, Tamako? T- t- uh, Tamako? Point to me. Point to me. Point to Korean. Tamako? Wait. <laughs> Tamako uh, is at the, she ends up at the, um, she's like a woman working at a- at Yeah, a, at, at a, a baby not, farm. At a baby farm yeah. for rich Japanese people. Is that what it was? No, so baby- <laughs> <laughs> baby farms is another area that I haven't had a lot of interest in because I've written a film about it. Because you have a child. Uh, because I have a child. Uh, but baby farms are basically they where people it. would baby take um, unwanted children and raise them for the specific purpose of adopting them out to Rich. wealthy. Well, not even wealthy people. People, just people who just that want, wanted children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she's there, and then she gets uh, told that she's going to go to this rich household to take care of this woman, and the head maid changes her name to, uh, where was it? Okju. Okju. Good. Good job. Yay. Yeah. And then we find out that her real name, even beyond that, her true history <laughs> is Suki. And I will, I Suki, I understand not that. Not Suki. And not Suki. Suki. Not Suki but like I will keep blood. saying yeah. it like Yeah, Bill. it's okay. No, it's yeah. okay. I will correct you every time. Yeah. Was that her real name or was that the name that the that uh, Lady Hidoku gave to her? No, Su- no, that was her name from, I don't remember where she got it. 
I, I yeah. Either way, there was three names. Yeah, there was three names. And I, <laughs> I like. But the thing is, is that mirrors this triple identity in yes. this film as well. Yes. Yeah. So um, then, but you find out as as the movie sort of goes through a series of flashbacks as she's getting acclimated to uh, waiting on this heiress mm-hmm. or this this woman who was inherit this fortune that she's actually there to do no good because uh, Count Fujiwara mm-hmm. uh, is basically working with her to steal Lady uh, Hidoko's. Hidoko. Hidoko. Was it? Hidoko. 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 I don't know. I'm not Japanese. Yeah. Hidoko. Hidoko. I don't know. Uh, yeah. her, her fortune. She's okay. going to steal her fortune. Uh, and they're working together to make her, the countess, fall in love with this dude who's a swindler. And then he can marry her and then take her money. And then and there's that's a cut. part one. Well, yeah, because I thought that was the whole thing. And it was interesting because as the movie was moving, I was like, this is two and a half hours. Like, this is almost done. Mm-hmm. So part two. Yeah. Well, it, hold it kinda, on. We'll get there. Well, no, let's, it's, let's, funny, it's funny. Cause the whole, like this, the, the actual con plot kind of felt like a, a less comedic version of planes, trains and automobiles to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like can see kinda, that. And that's why I was kind of like, eh, it's interesting. And there, there are certain revelations within the, the, the plot that I find it, that I thought were pretty cool. Like the fact that he's a rare, the, uh, the person that uh, that Lady Hudoku is uh, is cared for her. Her, her well, name is not Hudoku. Uh, Hidoko. <laughs> uh, not can't like Count Duku. No, no, not Count Duku. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, Uncle Kazuki uh, is is a is a wealthy rare book dealer. Yes, um, oh. he's the one that's going to marry his niece. He's going to marry his niece because he was married to her uh, to her aunt. Yes, and yeah. her aunt killed herself by because hanging his, hanging herself on a tree. Because he's uh, he's into some shit. Well, that's what I again. I I liked the revelation of what the rare books were, and he's just got, he's just this this great kind of character. He's got Perversion. this blackened tongue, um, you know, because he licks pens all day. Yeah. He licks pens all day. Um, he thinks books are like life and and like, but in like a weird sort of almost fetishized way. Mm. Yeah, which which comes into play later. You know, the one other thing about this movie is, um, and the reason maybe why I didn't. I didn't respond to it as well. Is that when when we took film when we taught film one hundred and one, we would assign students a film to watch. And what we always one of our main criteria for a film for a student to watch is that you had to watch it three times. And and we always tried to pick films that each viewing would reveal more information, or yeah. there is a a sort of systemic con- connection between the production, the way a film was made, and the thematic concerns of the sure. film. That's kind of what we you know we're trying to teach students, and. So we would look for films that were particularly formal, you know, like formally told, formally executed. And this is this to me would be an ideal candidate for a film that I would assign a student because it is so there's such a there's con- so much to uncover. Yeah, there's so and and the, you know, like the immediate thing is that the the fetishization of an octopus, which is what is clearly in Uncle Kuzuki's books. Uh, books, in his tongue, you know, in the way he dresses. It, it's clearly it's it's such a it's such a it's a it's a a very clear example of theme told through visuals and through production. Um, so you know that maybe a little part of me was like, oh, this is a. I was watching and going, this would be a great film to assign students. Like it, it's just you could watch this movie three times. You could write an essay about it, and you would you would learn something from each each. You time have you a watch thing it. about showing students like borderline <laughs> pornography. I One think. of the films we did was Irreversible. Of course you of course you did. You fucking degenerate. But the thing is <laughs> Irreversible is a good example of formality and story connected together. What's I mean, Irreversible? Uh we'll talk later. All right. You don't want to watch Irreversible. <laughs> But he's gonna he's gonna show it to children. No, no, we uh, we, we allowed students to pick a, a series of one of a many films, and Irreversible was one of them. Okay, it happened to be playing in the theater when we were 
teaching that close. So, uh, basically, as this plot unfolds, uh, Suki and uh, and uh, Hideko. Hadiko. I wish we knew how Hidiko? to. Hadiko. Hadiko. Let's go with Hadiko. Yeah. Let's Hidiko. go with Hadiko. Uh, Suki starts falling for Hadiko. The count comes along. He's going on a little too strong. And then Suki and Hadiko. Of what we think. Of what we think. And then uh, they get intimate. They have mm-hmm. the first sex scene, which I think we've talked about before, and some of us are okay with, and some of us are not. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the count. Uh, Hediko finally accepts the Count's proposal and they elope. The Count converts all of her, a lot of her riches to cash and they go to the 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 idea that uh, Suki and uh, the Count were going to have was that they were going to do that and then they were going to commit Hediko to a mental institution because everyone's saying that she's crazy in this movie. Yeah, uh, she is. Uh, yeah, to a point. A little, she's a little nuts. Not, not, not crazy crazy, but like crazy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, look. There's I, context for crazy. Sure. Look at her uncle. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then, but the twist, but the end of part one but? is that they commit Suke, Suke, <laughs> they commit her to the insane asylum under Hadiko's name. Yeah. Right. So, and uh, then so that, part one ends where you're like, wait, what the fuck? And this is what I want to say. I didn't know at the end of this part, which direction this movie was going to go. Was this a psychological thing i thought it could have possibly been like she was witnessing it's almost like a tyler durton-esque fight yeah. club sort of moment yeah i mean yeah. it was marketed as like a psychological thriller yeah mm-hmm. and i'm glad it didn't go that direction mm-hmm. but it brought me there and it for a good 20 minutes i wasn't sure yeah mm-hmm. you weren't sure how how where it was gonna yeah, go Yeah, where where we were in if we were seeing an unreliable narrator and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. brilliance of that because you can that that is so hard to do well mm-hmm. I don't even know the first step in doing it well. And this is a, as Shahir always says, a master class in subversion in that sense, because I was literally on the edge of my seat for the most of the second half. In fact, almost until the, the again, the longer sex scene when I finally started figuring out what the <laughs> fuck was going on. Then you really perked up. Yeah. No, that, you know, they just calm down. I'd seen that before. Uh, it was so... Uh, yeah, it was it was really something special to see this thing like have an unraveling so slowly and and, and puts a lot of fucking twisters, uh, as I'll call them, like the, your M nights and your, all that shit, like on point as to like, or I'm sorry, not on point on blast because <laughs> they they don't do it well. And this is fucking beautiful in its execution, even if you don't like. Can we all agree that that sort of span and in, in part two? I know you said you weren't surprised. I think my issue was that the unravel, like, the, so there's a, this film does a, like an interesting um, time structure where a decision will happen and we'll kind of just like, just to figure out what the decision was. And we've moved on from it really quickly. And it'll be a major decision. So like, for example, when Hideko, Hideko, Hideko decides mm-hmm. to get married, it happens really quickly. And then we, you know, yeah, like, the pacing breaks at the end yeah. of part one. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. No, no. But I think this whole film kind of like, does that on purpose like and then all of a sudden they're eloping and you're like oh wait is this happening now and you didn't realize that that decision had been made right and it does that in order to have set sec- you up for the part two yeah and the second half is basically going to go back over those decisions and then play them out so you kind of understand, yeah. understand yeah. the full context yeah. and my problem is is that i the the thing about the lack of surprise is by the time we go back to see those decisions being made i kind of i didn't find them all like the revelations weren't like 
completely 180 degrees different to what I thought it was. Mm. Oh, I, it was for me. Right. I, I just didn't. And, and, and I, I've got no beef with that. If, if it, if it worked for you, then that's great. I, I just found it like I didn't quite, um, like I, when, when the turn happened at the end of the first part, I kind of knew where this sure. film was going to yeah. go. Um, Shahir, move your damn feet. I just moved my foot, and they're literally right under my chair. I know we're talking Listen, about sexy time. Just if you it, haven't been able to take it. Stop playing footsie while I'm here. Yeah. If you Do it to, when I leave. Esther, uh, we've sort of gone, I really like the twist. Shahir is, isn't as enamored with it. I think they're very good. Yeah. I just, but I you just saw found, it coming. found it coming. Yeah. Did, did you see it coming? And if no matter what the answer is, was that good enough to help you along in this movie that you said already that you don't like? Um... Yes, I saw it coming because of the director. I feel like he just, like, that's, right? It's just twists. So, I, I don't know. I kind of expected that. And I appreciated it. Like, I didn't okay. like it. That That's an entirely valid but response. I didn't like it, but I was like, okay. Like, I'll just go. I'm on board. Right. Right. All right. So part two happens, and the interesting thing about part two in the beginning is it starts dealing with the history of uh, Hideko uh, as a child. Stop pausing after you say Asian name. Because I can, no, no, it's, I know. it's just her you name. You it's just her name because it. literally, well, first of all, you said I know, stop I know. and look at me every time. I'm literally following instructions. <laughs> but the second thing is, so she is a little girl. We sort of see her upbringing as to, as to why she is You get more context of why she is. And we deal okay. with her aunt and her aunt's history and how she was sort of in a very bad place. She and, was in prison too. Yeah, like and then she eventually decides to kill herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leaving uh, the little girl. But, oh, okay. yeah. I mean, that's a selfish yeah. act. Uh, and the interesting thing is, sort of in the beginning, in part one, you you see uh, Suki going through a lot of her um, her, her boxes and things, like looking for mm-hmm. and um, stuff. And it like one of them is just a box with a rope in it, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's weird. And it turns out it's the rope that her mother hung herself with. Yeah. And like, there's a couple. There's a lot. I'm oh, sorry, Sermon. It's it's yes. like there's a lot of those little small things mixed in, which I really enjoy. Uh, and then. So we start seeing the the genesis of what her uncle has done to her and basically turned her into, for lack of a better term, a uh, a sex audio book robot. <laughs> sex audio book robot. Yes, I love that. Uh, Good she, job, you. She She sits in front of a room of men and has to read basically verbal pornography mm-hmm. uh, with a certain diction and act out and not act out, but like literally speak these well, things she has to act out a scene. Well, then there's a scene with a, with a mannequin and she's like suspended from like a yep. mannequin. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was okay. Um, <laughs> I love that scene. I thought that was really me cool. too. Yeah. That was really interesting. It, I mean, it made me feel uncomfortable and then that's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think I think I think that. Oh mannequin, shit! Am I am I the repressed one here? Did that not make you guys uncomfortable? No, I think the mannequin was good. The mannequin scene was great because it it um it portrays what the men there are doing, which is inserting themselves into a scene with her. Hey, yeah. hey, someone describe the mannequin scene. So what happens is, <sighs> oh, well, Esther, do you want to describe it or? Sure. She basically fulfills every man's fantasy in the room after the reading is over. Yeah, I was gonna say not every man's fantasy, but well, in the room, in the room, in in that the room, room. In the right? Room. A mannequin so she, is lowered. Yeah, mannequin is lowered. It's a wood mannequin, and she basically gets on top of it, straddles it, and then it starts lifting. It starts like, well, hang on. what? What is the fantasy? 
I mean, having her, I think, is the... No, 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 that's not the fantasy at all. The no? fantasy is very specific. The fan, and, it's, and again, this is, again, why I think this is a film that's really good for film students, mm-hmm. is that it, it's the, the fantasy is about being asphyxiated during sex. Asphyxiated to the oh, point no, she of already, no, no, she choked was, herself at a different point. Yeah, that this was is later. Different. No, but she... So what happened is, is the, that the Uncle Kazuki says... That the the illustrate because he's trying to sell the books as well. He want you know he's selling these rare books, and he says that the page is being torn from this book that illustrates how this sick scene worked. So and she and they were like what? And and one of the people in the room says you could have fetched a fair price for that book if if that illustration was still in the book. And he goes well in order to provide you know to to hopefully up his sale here is a demonstration of how it worked. And so that's uh, why the mannequin that wasn't gets, the okay. choking. The that, choking no, no they, the choking they, was a different scene. But he choked the mannequin. The whole point was that he had a rope, uh-huh. and he had uh-huh. the rope around oh, the neck, right, right. and he was choking okay. the mannequin. I thought you meant so, when she choked herself. No, so everyone in the room was seeing a visualization got it, got it. of the scene that she had just described. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is why, and again, what I liked about that is that it, it's, it, it gets... It's to the point. It's the thing that um, Chanwick Park does that is, you know, like 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 the octopus scene in 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 Old Boy, like eating the octopus. Uh-huh. It's to the point of of like showing the extent at which the uncle has deter- has created this world for a for his clients, but also this is what he's you know like what his world That's is. His he is reality. He's he's kind of created this entire Part reality. Of your for- world. Oh Disney movies. I know, isn't it great? <laughs> I literally had written in my notes, WTF was with the mannequin. So I'm glad you explained that for me. Yeah, because, thank you. That shed a lot of light on that. Yeah. Um, uh, so so the Count tries to make a deal with actually, this is where the, the true backstory hits. The deal was actually to screw over Suki all along. Yeah. So we see we see the backstory of so at the beginning of the film we saw the it's not he's not a count he's just a a person in prison. He's a guy playing yeah. a count. Yeah, he's a he's a counterfeiter himself. A counterfeit count. Uh, <laughs> the uh, count of counterfeiting. And at the beginning of the film he is basically sold <laughs> One. the Ah uh, 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 no. I just <laughs> no. no. He's sold the idea. We take this film too seriously, Matt. You can't do it. No, I'm just <laughs> he sold the idea of like defrauding this woman to the uh the head matron of this house. Um, but in fact, he's made another deal with uh, Lady Hudoko herself in order to After free- seeing one of her audiobook sex yeah. readings. In, in terms of like, in, in a way readings. to emancipate her. So he's he's got a double- uh, a He's going to free her, but take half her money. Yeah, and so he's playing like kind of- He's playing both of them. Well, he's kind of playing, th- again, uh, you know, there's this idea of triplet. You know, the story is broken up into three parts. Right. Each character has three names, and there's three roles that he's playing as mm-hmm. well. One is the role- that he is acting to um, who Suk- yeah, who Suki is. Then he's acting. Then he's. Then he. You really, said it wrong. It's Suki. Then he's playing the role. I'm just gonna ignore you. He's playing the the role to Hidoko as well. And then he's also <laughs> telling a story to both of them. And and I, you know, like again, I just think that's a a beautiful execution of theme through storytelling. Yeah, you know, like it's it's just it's, no, a hundred percent. So then we start witnessing all the same scenes from before, but just slightly elongated version, except right, for the so sex you just scene, get which more is color. Yeah, yeah and so, you figure out like the before and after of scenes we've seen before, yeah. but from outside of Suki's perspective. So, for example, the scene where the count comes on to Hidoko. H- Hidoko. Yeah. In part one, you see why that he yep. wasn't actually. It was just a boy yeah. for Suki. And, and in fact, the thing that 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 we've kind of assumed. Well. He's playing the role of the the lustful um, suitor, um, coming on too strong. Coming on too strong, but then, in fact, he's uninterested in sex with her entirely. 
um, which I thought was, you know, like that's yeah. an interesting yeah. play on that. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, but then he's but playing. only, yeah, but he, a little towards the end. Yeah, but then yeah. he play, but he's playing it to Suki as well. Yeah, because he like there's a scene where he he like he says I can't keep this up for much longer, and he makes her grab his penis, and then we realize like later on that Hiduko is is in the bushes watching yep. this whole scene. Yep. So it's like you get this sort of triple angle, yeah, play. triple yep. view of the same scene yeah. from three ways, mm-hmm. uh, which I you know again. Masterfully executed. Yes. So then there's the elongated sex scene, which we can talk about more if we want to and sort of why it worked or didn't work for us. The one thing that I did notice and I, when I realized it was going on too long was when they switch uh, into this sort of scissory position. There was a moment where they both, and I wrote this down like this, uh, They, <laughs> it's so fucking weird. They do what I would consider the bro clasp, like yeah. a la Predator. <laughs> like, where, you know, when Predator, when uh, Arnold and, and they fucking hit the, the arms and like the biceps hit. So they both do that and they're like, holy. And that's the moment when I realized this is going on too long. Like, I really? look, I love, I so, look, it was sexy so as fuck. There's no question. But when I, I love how you thought you made a face mm. with that. When they did that, I was like, this has been, I, like, look at my wrist. Like, You know what I love? I actually, I that's the moment that I thought this was great. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved that they actually held hands to that, and they were like- They weren't oh, holding hands, they were bro <laughs> they class. Were pro- yeah. yeah, but-, but I That think- was like fucking utilitarian. Yeah, exactly, and it's a side of it which I hadn't seen before, and eh. I thought was really interesting. Okay. And, eh. and, I, and I thought it solidified to me that they were in a partnership together. Hello, okay, only woman a, in the right, room. But the partnership mm. is a difference- I, okay, so the problem that I had with a long, the elongated sex scene is like not that it was super long, but if you're going to do it, just do it in a way where you're portraying that there's actually love between them. For me, it felt pornographic because it like, yes, there's lust when you're making love with someone, mm-hmm. but that's not the core of, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's why for me it was an issue because very much like it, every all the ways it was shot, it was just seems like such a lustful way to sh- to portray some two people that are in love. You know right. what I mean? But like, it's also it's also the thing that I kind of um, appreciated about it is that I I I, I kind of disagree with the sex and love kind of d- distinction. You know, like like that that love can't be passionate, intimate, and ferocious. No, not you know that what it I mean? can't like, be. I just... And this is the first time... The, remember, There remember was the, no part the, of their long sex scene to me that felt like it was love. It, the whole thing felt like lust to me. Right. There's a little bit and of that, a paint-by-number situation. Well, see, the, 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 the right. holding and hands... And that's what I mean. Is like when you they're have, not holding hands. When you they have are actually man, holding hands. Well, they're, they, yes, physically, they, but also Arnold... And fucking. Uh, so that's the definition of holding hands is Arnold. And no, I'm saying Carl that's not. Weathers it's literally it's literally Arnold and Weathers like kush and like hold <laughs> like Ur. like holding hands is something that like you do when you want to sort of be emotionally involved. They were literally doing it for leverage. So well, I, okay, let's get into some personal talk here. Have you ever like held hands when you're having sex? Yes. And can it that be happens? And can but does it is it always? But it just doesn't like, go like this. Like, like it never happens like that. It, okay. it's, it's you've never you've never done. The, if you have like, more that's, power that's, to you, that's okay. to me that's the equivalent of being like, hey, I just came, high five. Yeah. Like that's the, okay. I read it an entirely different way really? to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, uh, but that's cool. But anyway, that's my issue with the long sex scene. Not that it's like long, but the whole scene just felt very lustful. Yeah, and not 
and that was it. Like, I think, it was I, just, I think to me, the, the, the point of cons- contention that I had with the sex scene mm-hmm. was that these were two, uh, I, I don't know how to do this without like getting into issues of body, but, but yeah. it, the, these were two women that were fairly flawless on screen. Yeah. And, and like one thing I liked about, for example, blue is the warmest color is that it was about the kind of messiness and, yes. and, you know, like we saw bodies that weren't in perfect positions yeah. and, and, you know, it felt very sort of, we were, we were seeing something, seeing something that we were, we, we wouldn't see on screen. Whereas the scene that we were seeing in, in the handmaid, it felt very, um, it felt like two dances. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so like choreographed. Yeah. It was very so choreographed. That's, so, yeah. I think that's part of it too, because so as a, as a woman yeah, and also as a Korean woman, like I, I touched on this earlier, but like there is a pendulum swing that happened in, not with people, mm-hmm. but like in cinema where it went from, everyone being repressed sexually, not showing anything like, you know what I mean? Like just being very ginger, like gingerly handling those things. I was like redheaded. Yeah. (laughs) And then it just sort of swung recently. I think it like where it's become a little bit more mainstream to Mm. show those things. And that's totally fine because Mm. I think that's, it's like a, it shows respect. You know, it's like, but there should be, there should be a balance where we're seeing, bodies of people that that look, are normal yeah not like made for film because people don't look like that right i i, I like, do agree with you like you that, walk yeah. into and this is funny you walk into like king sauna which is you know like those turkish baths basically it's like a crane everyone's just naked right there is not a single woman i've seen in there yeah. and they range from completely like pre-puberty to like old grandmothers they don't look like that. Right. That's just like made for film. So yeah, it, it does feel a little bit constructed in that way. I, I, I do agree with you on that. And that, and that is the point where we, and I think it, it's just, it's something that Chanwok Park, his films are hyper real. They're not, yeah. they're, they're constructed realities. That's kind of what and, I was going to get into was all of his stuff is like that. And yeah. like, like graphic. Yeah. But, but the constructed realities in the yeah, sense yeah, of yeah. like, they're, they're look, if, books, I, if I'm going to, if I'm gonna, but watch I do agree a film, with you. I do. I do. One hundred percent agree. With you. Yeah, like I, I'd never argue that that did. I could see that totally not working because of those reasons. Right. Uh, I think the reason. I mean, there's a uh, look. Well, there's, like there's, the shot of two of them on like against the window in the back. Like that's a picture perfect scene. And I was like, well, sure. Clearly, you're, you know, and 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 obviously, I mean, look, these are these are it's hyper realistic sort of uh, beyond realism because they are so basically flawless that it, it, it sort of works twofold. One, all of his films are like that and with either violence or even, even cinematography or anything he does sort of feels that way. And then two, it, there's no question. And I will unabashedly say this, that it is, it is meant for a gaze of someone who would find that arousing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no yeah. question, but I don't think it's, it's specific. It, it's necessarily only arousing to men. No, I said whoever finds it arousing. Right, right. I, I, what I'm saying is it's meant to arouse. It is. Mm-hmm. There's a point where it only becomes about arousal as opposed to moving story forward. And look, what? no matter what you're doing, why you're going to see this or why you're continuing to enjoy it, it's funny because I enjoy, I feel like I'm out of everyone here, one of the only people that enjoyed this thing entirely like 150%, through. Yeah. And then those scenes to me, honestly, weirdly enough for my, you know, heterosexual male, whatever, 
they were just like icing. And while I did feel like the second one went on too long, mm-hmm. just from a, again, because the bro fist totally, like yeah. any arousal I had ended. <laughs> like it was fucking like, Oh, you're weird. getting too excited. And I'm like, Clap. and I'm like, predator. <laughs> oh my God. I don't think that's necessarily the only frame of reference you should use for. <laughs> that is the only one I'm gonna. That's the only one I'm gonna. Predator and Handmaiden. You heard it here first. So like, but they were just icing. Even the end scene of the film was icing to me. And I I know, I know there are reasons for it. I applauded during the end scene. I thought that was brilliant. (laughs) I loved the end scene. I mean, I don't think it was brilliant. I think it was hot. Really? I, brilliant yeah they just fuck with with the balls that they were talking about on the thing we'll get there I, we'll get and there they, and okay, they were okay. they were fucking specifically with the balls that had been used yes. to abuse one of yes. them yes. and they were now making music yeah with them. so interestingly enough i loved that scene yeah i i applaud that i thought that's like well let's, let's to the point yeah, is we'll I, get to it. I, when i got when i got to that scene i thought oh this is going on too long but the resolve of that scene where you hear the balls actually like clinging, clinging together yeah yeah i was like that's, no, that I, was super brilliant. clever. That's that was brilliant. super right. clever. Okay. But yeah. I will say, was, let, let's because that's so, one of the more interesting parts. Let's just sort of get through so and we'll get to three. that. Yeah. So uh, part three. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hideko has second thoughts about if she's actually this is still in part two. Gonna gonna betray Suki. The count sort of convinces her, but then they develop sort of a, th- a third and final plan in part three to actually betray the count because they realize they were betraying each other. Oh, Hideko tries to hang herself and, and Suki saves her. I loved the humor in that scene. Yeah, because I, there's like, no because she forgets she forgets she's there. She's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. There's no dignified yeah. way to save someone in that scenario. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's just, it's just, and the and fact the that she forget about the person that she yeah. says she loves yeah, and yeah. then to cry and yeah. comfort herself. I just, I just love, like, it's a, it's a slapstick humor kind yeah. of thing. It's just something he's so good at. So then, uh, Hideko takes Suki to, to, to show her the basement, which we eventually see eventually. And then they destroy, well, they the, destroy all the books. Destroy the library. They yeah. cut the head off the well, snake. Well, they don't. The snake Suki that, does. Yeah, yeah. The snake oh, that guards I the. Love, uh, me too. I love that Suki destroyed it. And what you had was Hideko watching her. Her, yeah, and she was like suddenly realizing how, how much fucked up this yeah. is. No, how much she, how much Suki loved her. Yeah, she yeah, was like, yeah, 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 yeah. She was because Suki was so angry, angry. At, the, at at everything that had been done to her. She was just like, yeah, and, and it was un like her her. That's, where, that I, was that's where I believed, honestly, that they were in love. Well, I think, me too. And I think that's where they're turning point. It's just setting you up for part three because what I was going to say leading into part three was that part three was the only part of the movie where their love was believable to me. Right. And that's, I think that's why I appreciated the last scene. So yes. part three, there's a fire in the asylum that Suki is in, uh, but she has a lock pick with her. Uh, she gets out. Uh, she has a lock pick because she, she's, uh, she's uh, written a letter to the matron of the baby farm. Yes. Which yes. is the lock picks we see at the beginning, at the of, the beginning of the film. It all ties in very nicely. It's in all those small details that really yep. work. Meanwhile, uh, Hidoka, I, oh, just before we do that, I love that they had these like fire retardant suits. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. And they, like, and then they throw off. Oh, because side note, this is a period piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they this run is in the in... 30s, correct? Yeah. Because uh, like the yeah. fact 19th, that they had yeah. they had an English side wing of the house and a Japanese wing of the yeah. house. Yeah. And the fact that it had electricity was like a big deal. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there were the, proud oh, outs. That the way the electricity was used where there was a power outage mm. and they use it mm-hmm. and then he uses it as a transition later on in the film. Yeah. Oh, just There's so... a lot of good use of clouds in this movie too. Oh, and and yeah. sunlight being being clouded. It's um, so good. It's it's like again in uh, in Stoker there is one of the best transitions I've ever seen in cinema. And it's it's basically Bram Stoker Stoker. <laughs> we see some hair that turns into a landscape, and it's like one of the most. He's just so good at at constructing 
a fully fledged narrative mm-hmm. through imagery. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So uh, so just kind of plowing through because we do have to wrap up. Hadiko is with the count, the fake count, and then uh, she tries to poison him with uh, some stuff that they had from before. Uh, it turns out she has to actually literally spit it in his mouth uh, mm. from wine. And then they have to, uh, she, he eventually passes out sort of mid almost uh, in involuntary. Uh, About to insert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was about, it was about to rape her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she gets away. She takes the money. Uh, they reunite. Uh, the count awakens. I love this part with, uh, his pants down and gets quote arrested. I thought he was arrested. It was not. It keeps cutting back and forth. It's actually the uncle who goes and gets him because I think that they told basically yeah. that yeah. what he did. The uncle then, I mean, this goes full, the director's forte yep. of just sort of torture. He starts cutting off yeah. fingers. He starts doing this That's stuff. That's what I was like. This is his felt like this. Yeah. is. Yeah. And then yeah. the basement is full of like private parts and jars and, yeah. and a legitimate octopus in a tank. But that wasn't his, was it? I thought it was a gift that Suki or Hadouka had left. No, oh, that was, no, that was that was, his, that, that was just that was I, I took that as because there was the illustration of the woman being basically raped right, by right, an right, octopus. Right, right, right. That he actually made her do that. Yeah, remember he said to her like, uh, "Remember, you can always go back to the basement." You can or always go to the basement. Like that. Uh, so uh, like he actually, I think, made her do that, and and God, thank fucking Christ, they had the restraint to not like it's more terrifying. It. But the thing is, is what what was interesting about it is you you connected those dots yourself, mm. and you know what? That's the one thing I will say. I, I wrote this down in my notes that I was not shocked about. I'm like, oh, there's a fucking octopus in that. Place. <laughs> I, I actually, actually, funny enough, I was like, I was always kind of like, what's in the basement? I <laughs> knew the second they mentioned the basement, and we had already seen the picture. Oh, I yeah. was like, fucking octopus that's, in the basement that fucked up. Fuck. That's so funny. I was like. Like, that I, was the one non-surprise. Fuck one yeah. fuck. <laughs> uh, I, I did not know that there was an octopus in there, and I was like, oh, that's what it is. So the uncle wants to hear about the sex that he had with Hideko, but they fake yeah, their like, wedding night. He's like, where do they turn on? And then uh, he What's kisses that? him. Oh, the oh the, uh, the, then he has a bunch of mercury cigarettes for some fucking reason, so he kills both of them with like mercury was, inhalation. That was his like his go-to backup plan the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Like, he was like, can I have a cigarette? And you saw that in his cigarette case, they were like two Blue two and blue. white. Yep. And then there's one last sex scene for the road. Which I do agree with what you said. I do think that that there's meaning behind it, and the 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 chimes that were used to torch them before. Now they're they're making music, and da, 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 da. and I think that's I do. I remember think he like he he literally I he put remember it, put it in her mouth and I beat her with it. Uh, and then uh, they sail off on a ship and they hit an iceberg. They yeah. don't hit an iceberg, <laughs> but it felt very Titanic. Yeah, at the end. it did. Actually, I, I think the the compositing towards the end was a little. <laughs> no, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for you to finish. No, that was... <laughs> that's oh, right. That's yeah. what I said. I'm just going to wait for you to finish. Um, Are you done yet? Are you done? All right. And now it's my turn. No. The old uh, lady threw the thing in the water. In the water. Um, um I... Uh, so, so there's a, a couple of other interesting things. I like, like, seeing the uncle's basement um, house. Of course you did. You well, sick fuck. <laughs> there's an... Hey. Int- that's why these films are so curious. Also good. true. Yeah. yeah there's, there's an interesting, <laughs> there's this seven part documentary I've seen called pornography. <laughs> Jesus. Not, not, uh, and it, and it, talks I think that's actually just pornography. pornography. Yeah. I watch pornography for seven hours straight. Like, like <laughs> seven different videos. Seven. Well, different I mean, videos. there's always like, you know, gang bangers nine or whatever the fuck like that. That does your seven part documentary. No, not quite. Um, I can't remember who made it. Um, I actually, I found it, uh, 
in uh, a Barnes and Noble many years no, ago. No, you didn't. You're just trying to make sure that this sounds credible. All right, well, <laughs> I found funny. it in a Barnes I and found Noble. It in a Barnes and okay. Noble. <laughs> okay, a legitimate but, book okay. organization. Yeah. But the interesting thing about it was this idea that pornography didn't exist pre the Victorian era. So that the, huh. that in the Roman period, for example. Um, depictions of sex and sexuality were, were, were par for the course. And in fact, they were part of political discourse was, was depictions of your opponents in sexual positions, for mm. example. And you, it was not uncommon to go into a household and see graphic depictions of sex on the walls, you know, and it was considered to be a sign of enlightenment to have. And then after the, the fall of Pompeii and the discovery of these artifacts the Victorians decided that that these were objects that were going to inflame the mass populace because they were so they were so chaste and so into this idea of religion that they created this entire war. And that's that's kind of huh. the, the the definition of pornography comes out of that era hmm. where where the Victorians took these artifacts and said the the general public cannot see these. They are only for private collections and people like who, behind the bedroom door. No, not even behind things. the bedroom door. People who knew and is it like a class? Issue? Yeah, it was very much a class issue. Interesting. So it was very much an issue of like only cultiva- rich. So it wasn't even about happen. public or privacy. It was, it class. was about class. One hundred percent. Pornography. The 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 historical roots of pornography have to do with class more than anything. Huh. And it, and and and. And what you saw in this basement, you know, because this is a very wealthy man who's clearly uh, a collector of these artifacts right. and keeps them for himself and for a very private audience that are very uh, of a very wealthy, elevated class. Yeah. And again, uh, this is a, a topic that I'm interested in because I've written a film about this period as well, is that on the other side of that, you have um, babies that are born out of wedlock that are abandoned because of our understanding of, of religion and and the way we see the world, and then on the other side, you've got people exploring sex and sexuality, but in a in a in an entirely private realm. Hmm. Um, and so, I think the the reason, you know, when when we were in this basement and we started to see all these artifacts, you know, I I got a sense of who this person was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he's clearly inflamed by the arousal of the objects that he collects as well. But they are not for the you know you know he he is an abuser of a child. Um, he is a person that is, you know, likely to torture and kill someone. So I just, I, I think the, the, you know, and that mixed in with this idea of Japanese occupation in Korea at that point, this kind of obliteration of culture, I think is very paralleled with what we saw in the Victorian Mm -hmm. era. And it's something that I think is, it it demonstrates to me, you. you know, again, how well researched this film is and how well thought out this film is. Yeah. And to that end. I actually just wrote down, I just jotted down before, I was like, I wish that the amount of care he put into the storytelling and the research, like, everything else he did except for that sex scene. Like, you know what I mean? So I just wish he had put more care into that. Do you think, I mean, this is a this is a straight up man to sort of woman question. Mm-hmm. Do you think <laughs> that there is, like, a male director on the planet that could do that as well as justice as say a, a female director could have done that. I would like to see a female director. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's, is, is that, is that what's holding him back? So like, I would be curious to find out if he had even tried to not even talk, but like can have a woman consult him on how to shoot this, these scenes, you right. know what I mean? Because this is clearly not his forte. His forte is like violence and like, you yeah. know what I mean? And so like for him to, Decide to devote this film and like he called a lot of time Arnold and Carl Weathers and he said, <laughs> "How would you do this?" Have you guys seen *Nymphomania*? 
No. no the Lars von Trier film? The Shia. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf's in as well. I was like, I don't, I'm like iffy on that. I don't know. If Again, you know, it. like I think there is. Uh, is it good? It's it's interesting. Laz Trier is a very interesting filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He's very um, a formalistic filmmaker, like uh, Chanwok Park, but also is interested more interested in reality than I think uh, Chanwok Park is. And so, yeah, I I think like a filmmaker like Claire Denis, a French filmmaker who made a film years ago, Beau Travail, she she would be a great person to do. But I don't think that it necessarily like. Because you are a female filmmaker, you will be better at this. Right. Not, and, and and I cut I, off. I think, and I'm sorry, I cut off Esther with my stupid joke when she was. No, I don't. I agree with that. I don't think it does, means that you're better at it. I just think that if you're a male and this is clearly like new territory, mm-hmm. like you should put just as much care into making sure you're doing it right. Yeah. Because clearly he did his research yeah. and the story. It's like he cared about everything else so much, and then this he I felt. Like he just did haphazardly because I was like, this is so important in Korean culture as it is. Yeah. Exposing sexuality in this graphic form. And it's okay to be graphic and spend as much time you want on it, but do it with like a little bit less of a male male skewing. Yeah. That's what I mean. I like it felt pornographic and it felt very lustful. And I was like, you you have to find like a. I think my only I, I do agree with you on that. My only defense of that is that I think he is, you know, like like. He treated the sex scenes like he treated uh, a fight scene in one of his films, which is that. And I think the argument, I agree with that. I think the argument is, I don't know if you can equate. Like and now, while while time and sort of uh, exposure should be the Mm -hmm. same, I don't think that that necessarily treating the sex scene like a fight scene in that in that regard does it justice. Yeah, because I think that him, he probably didn't feel like he was responsible. to to treat it delicately. Whereas yeah. like a woman, it's like, I mean, if you're going to do it, just do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he yeah. felt no responsibility to treat it. Yeah. Gingerly. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, and I agree with that. I, the only thing, and again, you know, like it's, I, it, the only defense I have on, on that is I think his films are fairly like, this is something we talk about on the podcast a lot of uh, filmmakers. I really respond to are films that are like entirely hermetically sealed, you know, like they in their own universe. Mm-hmm. And he is a filmmaker that, creates a film this that isn't, is, this yeah. is his yeah. universe. Yeah, and I respect that. Yeah. And that's why sure. I would recommend this film. You yeah. know what I mean? I just don't, for me personally, I was like, uh, I don't really like it that well, much. Right. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, I'll just do mine first. I, I thought the acting in this film was top notch. I actually didn't mm. have an issue. I know I didn't have an issue with the, with the romance. I know some people might, but I thought the acting overall from everyone was wonderful. I thought the cinematography obviously was gorgeous. The pacing felt off on occasion, especially when they were like, it did feel like they were trying to rush through certain things to get you to another thing. And that's fine. When, when everything else is so wonderful sort of around it. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, we talked about sort of like the very small things like the hairpin and like other things that they always sort of came the back details. to. But there were so many great callbacks of lines throughout the timeline and perceptions uh, like like the, unless you desire to make love to a corpse or pulling one's hand from a flame, like all these things, these phrases that meant different things mm-hmm. based on the, the, the situations and the yeah. things that happened before they were and after they were said mm-hmm. script wise was yeah. fucking brilliant. And uh, I will say there was a lot of small endings at the end, but that didn't get away from the cleverness from it for me. And uh, I would say a hundred percent. I mean, you can get this movie right now. You can rent it. You can do whatever on all the different streaming sources. Sources and uh, you should. It's a shame not many people saw it in the theater. I know yeah. you should totally see this movie. And, and do you know if it did better internationally? 
Uh, it did amazing in Korea. Right. It, yeah. it, well, I mean, I mean, obviously, but... It, I mean, as in, you know, like the other thing with Korean films is like this film cost eight and a half million dollars to make and made 32 million in Korea. Mm. So it's like, it, it's it's an incredibly successful yeah. film. So it's not in the United States. I just think I just think it's something that is definitely worth your time and you should check out. Shahir? Um, I reiterate <laughs> everything you said. I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of construction. Um, I, I think emotionally, I wasn't quite with the film. Um, and 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 to to a point is like with with a lot of Chanwu Park films as well as I think structurally I wasn't quite there either. But I think it was beautifully constructed. It is the kind of film uh, I would recommend anyone who is interested in the art of filmmaking mm-hmm. watch three times. Like watch it and try and discern like. You know, like the assignment we always sit was like, watch it first time, get your impulse, watch it the second time, see if you can find something that that is being constructed in it and watch it third time to to defend that construction. And not just the sexy bits, yeah. not just the sexy bits. Um, so it, it's the perfect candidate for that kind of film. Uh, beautifully told. Yes. Abs- oh, one without a doubt. Rent this film immediately. Um, you know, like you if you are in any way interested in. Um, cinema, in filmmaking, in Korean history, in sex on screen, in yeah. in storytelling, in any of those things. If, in other words, if you're an audience of our podcast, you are doing yourself a disservice by not watching this film immediately. Esther, take us home. Okay. I went into it wanting to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just get I just keep getting hung up on that. But other than that, I i mean, I agree with you. It is a great film. I would recommend it to everyone who wants to learn about like the craft. You know what I mean? But um, for me, I just felt like he did a disservice in terms of to women. <laughs> but, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, so, I know. I, 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 I yeah. understand. Yeah. That. But I, I really do respect him as a director and I, it makes me want to watch more of his films um, because it's, it's clear like he's just so good at it, especially in this one um, because there's so much subtlety mm-hmm. that comes full circle when in all of his films. So like, I really appreciate that. I just, yeah. I mean, I would recommend it. I mm-hmm. just personally, you guys, you guys should both watch Stoker. And I think we should talk about Stoker at some point, if, okay. uh, if possible. Stoker is amazing. Well, this has been <laughs> the only podcast about the film The Handmaiden. Now, Esther, when we're not talking about octopuses doing awful things to human beings, where can folks find you? Like, not on the street or anything. Like, where can they find you virtually? Like on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you didn't set that up for me. <laughs> Where, where, like, what's your Twitter handle? What's your Instagram? Oh. Unless you don't want people no, finding out yeah, about you. yeah, sure. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram, Esther B. Park. Twitter, I don't use it because <laughs> it's for old people. Oh, wow. Is that is that the case? Twitter's yes. for old people? Oh, man. What's, what, for, what's, the, what's for young people? Instagram. Yeah. Really? I thought Instagram. Instagram and Snapchat. Snapchat, I Snapchat would say, is, I'd say young is young people. people. Yeah. I, I would say Instagram. I'm not going to ask you guys how old you are. You don't want to know. I'm 34. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm 30 fucking four. Oh, yeah. 37. I'm going to stay silent. About hey, it. <laughs> you didn't. You just said it. Cheer, what about you? When you're not admitting your age. I'm not admitting my age. I'm saying my age. Oh, God. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> you can find me at shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Uh, the links to all my Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff in there.
And you can find me at MatthewKroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-L.com. You can find me on Instagram at Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z, or on Twitter at Emperor M-S-K. And also, we got another live show that we're going to be pimping out. We're going to be at PAX East doing our Getting Good at Video Game Movies panel. A lot of new stuff to talk about. It's going to be at 10 p.m. Nope. It's going to be at noon on the 10th. There we go. March 10th in the Dragonfly Theater. Come check us out if you're down there. Me, Shahir, James Portnow, Red, we're doing it Special big. Special guests. Spe- the same guests we did in PAX West and at MAGFest. Brad but Pitt's going to be there. Tom Cruise is coming the, through. If you're on the Esther, you want to come? Sure. Let's fucking do this. Uh, Vin Diesel. If you can come, Vin Diesel will be there. It'll Pierce be great. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan also on, on Ewan effect. Ewan McGregor. Yeah, all of these people will <laughs> Daniel actually. Daniel Craig. Yeah, okay. A ton of people will be there and they're going to tell you why video game movies suck and how we can fix them. You'd be surprised how much Denzel Washington plays StarCraft. Anyway, <laughs> you can also find us at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Please write us in. Tell us if you liked The Handmaiden. Tell if you had the same problems or, or praises as any of us. Uh, also, you can see us at our website, OnlyMoviePodcast.com, where we have all of our stuff. We have a back fucking catalog. I've, I found an interesting statistic the other day, which is that one of our listeners has listened to more stuff in our catalog than than the cat than the length of the catalog itself. So wow. they they had listened to episodes Thank multiple you. multiple times. Mystery listener, many times. Esther, don't make that face. What is that shit? <laughs> You're a guest. I'm not surprised. <laughs> wow. Um. But yeah. So and, and please, iTunes reviews they really help us out. And actually. If um if you have friends that 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 you feel like either a love movies or b you kind of want to love movies, I think we might be able to help out with that. So <laughs> just just pass us along because that's how this thing is going to grow. Just and throw us along in the street. No no no. But seriously, the more the more you guys, the listeners, talk about this thing, the more we can actually do this. And we love doing it. We do it as much as we can. Uh, we give you at least once a week. But eventually, we're going to start building this a little bit bigger. And uh, there's been there's been some talks about how we're going to do that. Uh, have been had. Yeah, so, so we've been holding hands, uh, bro style, during these conversations. All, yeah, and I, yeah, and I, and it's been, it's been a lot Mental of mental image, unnecessary, guys. What's the matter? See, I got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> um, so, guys, uh, so seriously, thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your continued support. It really means a lot, Esther. Thank you yet again thank for you, coming guys. and lending your your wonderful expertise to our show. Thanks. I really appreciate it. See you uh, next week. See you next week for something a little more lighthearted. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.